welcome to this month's edition of the Comics Pals Book Club, where a gaggle of pals talk turkey about comic books. For this month's edition, and very apropos since we are recording the day after Friday the 13th, is the classic Batman Gothic. Its original publication ran through 1990, written by the great Grant Morrison and illustrated by Klaus Janssen. It is our very first Batman-related review on the book club. Joining me today on this edition of the book club is Batman himself, Sean Bartley. Hey, <laughs> I, uh, I like that. Cool. Yeah. The boy wonder, Pete and Bessie. Hello! We have our oh, very since own... When did, since when did uh, PewDiePie become uh, Robin? That's new. Is that new? <laughs> you know, Kale, I've... Uh... I, I, I must I've taken have a lot of grief from you on this show over the year, and uh, you got you got to come back and visit America, buddy. <laughs> oh, not now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think you're welcome. And that voice you heard was our very own Alfred Pennysworth, Kale Ward. Pennysworth. I give him. I give him a half Pennysworth at best. Is plural Pennysworth. And I'm your bat my orator, Phil Casey. <laughs> right. Let's jump into it. Folks, Batman is perhaps the most overexposed character in the comic book medium, which is a double-edged sword in both aspects. Uh, I think the way I'd like to start this conversation is by asking what you were expecting going in. I don't think Batman Gothic is one of the first stories that leaps to people's minds when they think of Batman. So what did you guys think going in? Uh, Kale, you just read it. So, what, what what were your expectations? Uh, I had never read this before, so I didn't have a ton of expectations. I think I uh, confused this with uh, Gotham by Gaslight. Huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, not that I was expecting this. I mean, when I saw it, it was different. Obviously, all that went out the window. Um, you're like, Phew, at least Batman's in this. <laughs> exactly. But uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, my favorite Batman movie and the ba- the best Batman movie of all time, uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, mm, nice. Okay. Um, how, how do you figure? Well, um, it starts off with this sort of unknown presence going through and, and murdering various mob bosses and they're all connected somehow and batman's there and you've got to he kind of has to piece it all together through portions of his past yeah i, um, I could I see that yeah and, and this is um in the in the context of the publishing uh this was published in a in a line of books that was intended on being like batman's first year on the job kind of thing early on legends of the dark knight uh, so this is like kind of in the context of Frank Miller's year one. Yeah, uh, yeah. The art, uh, the Klaus Klaus Jansen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did uh, uh, a lot of pencils and inks on uh, on uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil run uh, on the proper title, as well as the Dark Knight series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's it's all very reminiscent of of that uh year one feel um especially if you haven't read um dark knight um but uh yeah i just i don't know if 
you guys uh, you guys have seen Mask of the Phantasm, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we should do a review on that sometime. Well, I'd love to. It's only the best one. There is a uh, oh okay yeah there so this is I just want to do a a reading of the kill of Mister Whispers line uh, after he kills uh, Mister Kane. Mr. Kane is here with me, and I'm afraid he can't talk right now. He's whimpering for you. <laughs> and the only the only way that could be better is if he, you know, it was uh, uh, Mr. Bronski. <laughs> I'm meant to kill doing readings of this book on this episode. <laughs> But uh, yeah, oh, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I once it started getting into the various aspects of Bruce's past and and the connection there, uh, that sort of lost me. But I did I did like the overall journey of the story. How about you, Pete? Where what were your impressions going in? Um, I, I was similar to Kill, where I. I had no relationship to uh, Batman Gothic. I had never like heard of it as like a run that was you know touted as being one of the greats. Um, but when I saw that uh, that it had been chosen for our book club, um, you know, as soon as I saw that it was by Grant Morrison, I had a lot of expectations, uh, uh, no, which say. was either you know how I feel about pretty much everything by Grant Morrison, which is either it's an all time classic or. Well, that like it, it just kind of like goes o- it gets over you, you know, and like not even that like I don't get it, but sometimes it's like Grant Morrison gets a little Grant Morrison-y for me, you know. I guess. Um, yeah. And I feel like this is like him exactly where I like him. I think the story is just grounded enough that it doesn't um, get away from itself in the way that I feel like his stuff at its peak can. Um, and I don't mean peak good; I mean peak Morrison. Uh, I feel like it being like. You know, it, it, it like there's obviously a very like heavy supernatural, you know, uh, element to this story, which is very Grant Morrison, but it still feels like a detective story. It still feels like a Batman mystery. And that's what I think like it, it works really well because I don't feel like it pushes outside of the framework too much, you know, like it, it goes just outside of where I think Batman's like real comfort zone is without, like, hard committing to the supernatural stuff, and I like that. Um, I agree with Kale where I felt like the, like, weird connection to Bruce's past just seemed kind of like, um, I just didn't see what it added to the narrative. That was really yeah. my my one criticism of, of the whole thing. Yeah. I think in terms of um, what I want out of a Batman story, at least, like, one that's about him solving a mystery, is that it, it sets up a, a, an interesting mystery and a few other little, like, kind of, not necessarily, like, side stories, but, like, other things of, like, I wonder who this is, or I wonder what that's going to mean. And when you do get the reveals, at least for me, it was always satisfying. Um, and, and it just speaks to, I think, how well-crafted the uh, the detective part of this story is. And I, I like any story that focuses on Bruce Wayne, the detective, not, you know, Bruce Wayne, the guy who is a karate master or whatever, you know? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that to me is why I think this works so well, 
you know, and uh, the art is great. Uh, I, I, this is my favorite era of, of comics, you know, like the, I, obviously you said it was like in the early nineties, but I'm talking more about like that late eighties style. And, um, you know, there's like a lot of use of, um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for where, where there's just like the, the use of the dots throughout to create texture. Um, oh, um, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Th- there's just a lot of those little kinds of like. There's a lot of like really interesting scenes where there's big open space and the colors are like kind of muted, so everything feels kind of dingy, like kind of like a gritty nor novel or like a nor serial, but like with that very like vibrant '80s you know, flair kind of underneath it. And uh, just aesthetically, it works for me really, really well, too. I, I found this overall to be uh, a really enjoyable read. And um, not that I wasn't expecting it to be enjoyable, but I, I liked it even more than I thought I was going to. Like, that first issue took me a little bit of time to get into. But once I was, like, in the rhythm of the mystery, I, I really thought it was a page turner. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm with you there. Let's uh, let's toss it to the king of hell himself. <laughs> What? That's what Batman decreed himself when he spawned on the mob bosses. Oh, right. I thought you were talking about Marco. <laughs> um, no, he's like a cretin in hell. <laughs> he's getting shit jabbed at him. It's, Marco, it's daughter of the wow. devil. The alley, right? <laughs> That's right. The perpetual alley with him. Yeah. What, what were your impressions? You read this uh, ten years ago for the first time, so this is not your first reread. No, no, I've I've read this many many times. Uh, I when I, I when I first read it, it was because I was looking up a list of like the best Batman stories, you know, because I I didn't know where to go. Uh, I was in, I was reading Grant Morrison's you know initial run, and I didn't know what else to read. And I read this one because a little bit of context. Um, this is actually Batman's first encounter with the devil, and in the uh, the later his later run yes in I was gonna talk about this with you but go on uh, he he faces off with the devil uh, again um, so that's a big reason why I picked this up in the first place and uh, it's it, I wasn't disappointed and I'm and I think uh, the key for me is that every time I read this it gets better um, it's so creepy and yes. um, the visuals in here. Are brilliant klaus jansen did such a good job oh it's awesome when have you seen batman so horrified before you know Mm -hmm. it's 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 fantastic and um yeah i guess we'll get into the rest of it later but uh yeah this is one of the greats i think when it comes to batman one of the unsung yeah for sure and what i I like i've never heard of it like i can't believe that this was never like like you said like i've never seen this on any like and maybe I haven't just ignored it or whatever, but no, it's, it's true. It, it's it's a little it's an unsung one, uh, and I think it's because it's a it's a nice self contained little story. That's what I like. Well, and about I think it. I think I think other Grant Morrison works, especially the recent ones on Batman, um, sort of overshadow it. That's true too. Um, this is actually, a, if I'm not mistaken, this is his second attempt at Batman. The first being. Uh, Serious House on Serious Earth, which was what basically launched his comic career into into fame, uh, made him a, a millionaire for intents and purposes uh, because it came right in the wake of uh, uh, the the um, 1989 Batman film. 
so this was just about a year. This was published probably about a year after that. Uh, but yeah, without further ado, let's uh, kind of jump into it here, I suppose. Um, before we before we get into that, uh, Sean mentioned that he faces off with the devil again in 08. Uh, is that the the uh, the the death of Batman and uh, John Hurt? Yeah, the John Hurt uh, stuff. I was gonna. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll introduce it and we'll hop right into it. I guess. Okay. Um, nice. So we're a little past this point, but if you weren't aware, listeners, this review is going to be full of spoilers. <laughs> so that's like that's part for the course with these book clubs. But yeah. you should probably warn the kids at the top. I mean, but it's a book club. Was... You can't go to the book club if you don't read the book. Well, to be fair, he only asked for what we thought what what we thought we would get. Out yes, of this, and then you two told the whole story. That's right. I asked for just uh, impressions before going too far into it, but you guys were on a nice track. I didn't want to derail it. But regardless, if it has, if it's not clear now, this review is going to be full of spoilers. So I turn around now, unless you've already read it, or if you don't mind uh, it being spoiled for you. Uh, and then I just wanted to do a little quick synopsis here. Uh, Kale did a nice job of kind of talking about it, but Batman Gothic is about a centuries-old killer from Central Europe who begins picking off mob bosses in Gotham. Uh, Batman has to travel around the globe and confront the supernatural to stop the wicked Mister Whisper from killing anyone else. Let's jump right into it. I was gonna, I was going to go a little further, but we're kind of on to it. Sean, what do you think of the the contrast between Mister Whisper and Doctor Hurt? Yeah, I mean, it's very clear, right? Uh, uh, Dr. Hurt is a man who basically is empowered by the devil to have a prolonged existence and is attempting to kill Batman. Uh, And this, so the, the, the character of this story, Mr. Whisper, isn't, doesn't really care about Batman. He's got his own agenda. Um, But again, another, another character who's, empowered by the devil right um so the comparison on that end is is pretty clear and what i love about it is that when you make that connection between the two stories it's like well batman was able to defeat this 300 old man 300 year old man who was clearly if you read the book more powerful than him in almost every way um batman was able to defeat him and i like to think this is my own reading this is not anywhere else uh that that is what put Batman on the devil's radar. That that is what made Batman so intriguing for what would come later. Um, but I, I, they're very, they're very, very similar characters for sure. And they both have a little bit of a, a connection to Batman's past too. Right, and that's the other. That's the other brilliant part. Yeah. What I, I, I guess. This is something I wanted to address here. Uh, both of, both uh, Pete and Kale uh, mentioned they didn't like or, or see the narrative purpose of seeing how uh, Mr. Whisper linked to Bruce Wayne's past. And to me, it was a two-pronged thing, because I really liked that. Yep. Um, one, it kind of ties to Grant Morrison's childhood, where he had a gym instructor who was really creepy. Um, uh who was like extremely perverted? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's it's I don't think it's a reach at all to say that there was some pedophilic 
Oh, for sure. Uh, oh, ideas uh, sort of floating around. If not, oh, yeah. yeah. And it's not that Grant had that happened to him personally, but it it was someone. It was someone from his own childhood that like gave him and a lot of his classmates the willies, obviously. Yeah. And two, it just enhanced the creepiness of it all. True. Like reading anything with Mister Whisper made me incredibly uncomfortable, and I think it benefited the narrative completely because it 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 gave him, it made him more immediate, I guess, because this is a three hundred old dude who has been kind of lingering for in Bruce's life on and off for like 40 years or whatever, 30 years, 20 years, it, it, it made him more present. It's also, a, it's also a, a different kind of uh, fear and evil than Batman usually deals with. Typically, yeah. Yeah. he's involved with, you know, thugs and goons and Gotham. Um, but to, to talk about a corrupter of innocence, right? Uh, who, I mean, because the reason that they that the, the, the gangsters wanted to kill him in the first place was because he was killing kids, right? Yeah. Um, and then you look back three hundred years later, and he's he's at the very least abusing kids in a in a you know physically physically abusing them. Um, Who knows? What he's doing. Ex- exactly. I got the panel where Batman is, or I'm sorry, Bruce is bent over as a young kid, and this yeah. guy's got the stick, and then he says something along the lines of. What was even scarier is what I didn't see, and I I don't believe that the implication was that he was molested there, but I felt like he was. Yeah, you know, for for me that panel had echoes of, uh, and and this is um, just just because of that imagery specifically. I I don't think either Meltzer or Morrison are are making this uh, thing, but it it uh, it reminds me of the. Um, uh, the the Rags Morales panel uh, oh, where um, yeah. uh, Dr. Light is is raping Sue Dibney and you see her face um, you know she's like holding the I, I think it's the floor the table whatever yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and it's a it's a really just brutal panel of her horror as that's and, and pain as that's happening um, and you you know the horror there is what's unseen as as Bruce says. There's there's a weird kind of emotional intimidation from someone like that. Uh, yeah. It didn't matter. I mean, this Mr. Whisper was physically imposing as well. He had the super strength and everything. But when you look at a figure like that, that penetrates your very like soul in like a such a creepy way from like a young age. Like, have you ever had a like an adult in your life as like a kid like? A teacher or something that just made you feel really uncomfortable when you like ran into them 20 years later and like you still felt super uncomfortable around them it's, it's that kind of thing where it's just like you, maybe you're more physically imposing because you're an adult but you look at this person it's like oh my god this, this like it's a weird kind of intimidation i actually have a very relevant experience with that so i know what you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah so do i yeah. yeah i i i haven't ever experienced like something like that personally but um when when Sean brought up, um, I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but I guess I do kind of see that connection. Um, now that you point point out that angle to it, because I guess like I can see why this figure left such an impression on Bruce because yeah. it was someone who you know um, 
scared him and and physically abused him or physically intimidated him at a time um you know when he was relatively trauma free i guess right like is the implication right like obviously batman is a tortured man but this is when he was before he was that you know um and then and then i guess that's like why it left such an impression on him right it's like that one that one guy i haven't thought about and you know, 20 years, but like he's immediately right back in that moment, you know, and right back yeah. in that moment of feeling like that little kid who's um, bent over the table and vulnerable. I, I could be wrong. Maybe I completely missed this somehow every single time I've read this, but it's also heavily implied that this, that this guy cursed his family, right? And that the day they go back home is the day his parents die, right? So I actually I I thought that at first, but there's a line of dialogue where he says that that's not the case. He says that um he was going to or something. He says your dad like looked you know ghost white or whatever because he saw right through me and he knew that I killed those kids and he definitely would have exposed me if fate hadn't intervened. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let's take a step back and and look at we, we've 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 reflected on Mr. Whisper in the context of Bruce, but let's talk about him as as a as a as a monk, um, and as a as a as a killer over the last three hundred years. Um, there's a a lot of this book feels really European, um, and obviously it takes place in Europe at points, but like it feels very inspired by i mean it's in the title batman gothic it feels like central european um and and the very character himself is faustian in that he does he makes a deal with the devil for essentially prolonging his life and he's trying to avoid satan effectively as much as possible um to, to call on his bargain with him because he's he has to constantly sacrifice to prolong his life uh, what how how effective do you think this uh, antagonist was in the context of the greater story I thought he was excellent, man. Um, I, you know, again, right? Like, I've never read this before, so this is like my first impression of this character. And I think he's um, only in this book. Yeah, and that would make sense, right? Like, with how this plays out. Yeah. Um, and that's that's honestly like kind of a tough order sometimes, you know, like mm-hmm. introducing a new villain and making them compelling, and then also killing them off, and not feeling like that was like a waste or like a missed opportunity or something is like it, it, like you said, it's just, it feels like a really complete narrative. And ultimately it's really like when you get right down to it, it's, it's more this guy's story than it is. Bruce's Bruce is just the one who finally puts it to bed, you know? Yeah. Um, that's a good way of putting it. And like, it, it reminds me a lot of um, like when I was reading this, I, I was thinking it reminds me a lot of like, uh, kind of like an old western like in this in the way that like not that like batman rolls into town right it's he it's his town the monster rolls into his town and then gets cleaned up but it's the fact that like it's not really about the hero or like mad max right like it's not really about max it's about the change that he's able to affect and uh i thought that was really interesting because as much as like grant does tie it to bruce to like give you personal stakes for him like so much of it is stuff that happens kind of tangentially to him, you know, or like it's stuff that happened in the past or there's this mob, you know, connection from 20 years ago and or 40 years ago or whatever it was. And like, 
I thought that was really interesting how it played with time so much. And mm-hmm. that's another thing that really easily can get away from you, you know, and, and like leave you feeling like all these storylines feel like they're kind of half developed, you know, and I, I don't feel that way about this book. And I think that's like what leads to him feeling like such a satisfying villain is because you get to see so much of him in such a short amount of time, you know, like you really get to understand his motivations from, you know, his origin story to his death, you know, and uh, the fact that no matter what, I'm always aware of exactly what his motivations are and how he feels about what he's doing uh, really speaks to how much space Grant gave him to breathe, you know, and like he let Batman just be like cool, you know, and like Batman's mostly like gives one liners. Like it's not him monologuing the whole time. It's like mostly him just being really slick and like sometimes really gritty and scary in that way that he was in the eighties, you know? Um, and, and that works too, you know, like Batman doesn't need to be anything more than that to be compelling really, you know? I, I had a, a great experience with Mr. Whisper. I think he's, uh, a really strong villain in this narrative. I don't think that there would have been a good reason ever to bring him back, and I don't think it would make sense anyways, but um, no. I love the fact that Grant Morrison told an open and shut case, which yeah. you don't really ever get, um, with especially with Batman. These yeah. people always come back. Um, and it, it's also open and shut in a way that makes a lot of sense and adds to the creepiness of of the story. What this book, the ending of this book is the creepiest ending yes. to any story I've ever read and uh, I've got a friend who we always reference it. Um well, you know, we'll probably talk about it later. What what part do you and your friend reference, Sean? Uh well, I, so I guess we're just going to just go into it. Why not, fine, right? Like um, so I'll just, I'll, I'll go to the page and, uh, I, I'm actually going to recite it because this is what we do. Yes. Yeah, this uh, is what we do. I like this is, shit. It's, it's, it's really horrific. Uh, so it's, it's, it's after Batman has thwarted the plot of Mr. Whisper and he already got hit by the train and all that jazz. And it's very apparent that he's lost and he yeah. goes back into his hotel or whatever. <laughs> and he goes inside, and it's. Uh, I'm going to show you guys the page so you know where I'm at. Oh, so, I know where you're at. Yes, yep. this, this yeah, page yeah. right here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm with exactly. you. There, that woman's happy. face is so creepy. That's the creepiest panel I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And she's she's well, been throughout the whole story. And and yeah. especially in the context, she like in that panel specifically, she looks a lot older than she's portrayed uh, yeah. through the rest of the story. Right, because she's supposed to be young, very young. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'll read it. I'll read it. Yes, uh, please. Please do. <laughs> so Mr. Whisper says, What the hell are you doing here? Who let you in? And then she says, Oh, Manfred, my good and faithful servant, don't you know me? 300 years ago, we made a bargain, you and I. You are mine beyond reprieve, false monk. You always were. And since you thought to deceive me... Your last day is forfeit. The hour has arrived when you quit this world for the fires of everlasting pain. And then he goes, this is the best part in the entire series. No, no. Christ, save me. 
Forgive my sins and let me live forever. And she says, you would call on heaven now? Hypocrite. Resign all hope of pardon. Come with me and die forever. That's the best line. Yeah. That's the greatest line. Come with me and die forever. I can say that at any moment to my one friend and he'll know what I'm referencing. <laughs> it's uh, so it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's excellent. It's it's the perfect usage of fucking Satan. <laughs> it's the perfect usage of Satan. <laughs> no, it really is. Because um I love the fact that this character who you haven't really paid any attention to at all actually ends up being the devil who's been watching this whole thing play out. And this dummy, Mr. Whisper, thinks that he's going to get one up. Get one over. On the Dude, devil. And it's like, no. That was the most satisfying reveal in the whole book for me. Like, yeah. I just yeah. remember, because I, like, I remember I got to the end of the book, and I was like, what's up with that girl? Like, I was like, yeah. like, like, they, like yeah. they made the illusion that she was the nun. She must be the nun, right? Like, she must be the ghost of the nun or something. Oh, no, she's the fucking devil. That's so awesome. Like, <laughs> and it was just like, what a, like, I don't know. It was just such a, like, uh... Like, what an amazing, like, dish-served-cold moment, you know? Right? And that cool. she's just lurking this whole time. That it's just like, ah, it's me! Like, I love it. <laughs> so good. And it's, like, so, like, classic. Like, that's biblical yeah. devil, you know? Like, that's... That's, that's, it's that's, perfect. that's renaissance shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, that... Uh, I love I love shit like that. There's a couple references I can think of. Um... There were two Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, there's multiple episodes that involve deals with the devil. Um, the one I could think of is a man who uh, sells his soul for immortality. And he thinks, you dumb devil, I'm never going to die. Like, there's no, like I won. You got my soul, but I'm not going to die. And then he inadvertently kills someone and is sentenced to life in prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then the devil shows up in his cell and he's like, well... And he's like, yeah, alright, I'll go with you. Um, and then there was another instance where a man sells his soul for uh, like having all the riches of the world, like, it, like his perfect life. And he thinks he's in heaven... Because he's like living his best life, and he's like a gambler, and he's just winning. But the problem is, he's winning all the time. He's getting every woman that he ever wants. The problem is that he's getting everything that he could ever want. And the and the the reality, as it turns out, is that he's actually in hell because that everything he ever wanted isn't satisfying. So yeah, I just really enjoy that 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 trope of of a figure, uh, the hubris human. The who sells his soul and then thinks they can pull one over the devil and then and almost always backfires. Sometimes it works out, but uh, I, I like that. Kale, I want to walk it back enough, a little bit. Not smart enough, buddy. <laughs> Kale, what? How did you like uh, walking it back a bit? How did you enjoy Mister Whisper as a primary antagonist of the story? Yeah, I I, I really enjoyed him. Um, uh, to walk it back even just a, a step further, you know, as 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 you as we were talking about connecting um, uh, the sort of pedophilic angle and making that creepy connection to Bruce and and Batman, um, 
like if you uh, and then sort of taking that to Grant Morrison, if you if you're just reading this as like a a Batman story and you're not taking it in as like a um, a Batman work, a uh, Grant Morrison work on Batman, you know, in his in his um, um, rep, Batman repertoire, you know. Um, it uh, it stands alone very very well. Like sure. if you took Grant Morrison's name off of it, uh, just you know, if I didn't know it was Grant Morrison, I'd be like, dude, this is fucking sick. I, yeah. It's awesome. Um, but it's like a great Batman story to recommend to anybody who's just like, oh, I like absolutely. I like Batman. I'd love to read a Batman comic. It's like, yeah, here you go, man. Yeah, um, one of the best. It is it is interesting, and I this is probably dancing around your question, but. It is interesting to me that um, the connection between uh, Dr. Hurt and and Mr. Whisper and and the devil, uh, because while I was reading it, thinking about Grant Morrison's broader Batman stuff, I, I had the thought, I wonder where this plays. Uh, in what regard? Well, just like... Like where on Morrison's timeline it is of Batman? Kind of, yeah. Because, like, so the whole point of R.I.P. and his whole, like, uh, you know, 2005 to 2008 or 10 or whatever, right? you know, that bigger run that he did um, in the 2000s was all about sort of condensing and using everything mm-hmm. in, in Batman's timeline. And making it work for the character in a way that is believable, and at the and, and you know taking all of the just weird stuff that you know Batman has gone through over the years in the meta fashion as well as you know in in the comics um, and making that make sense. So I was wondering in the meta narrative like where are the seeds you know of all of that in this i um, i think i i don't think it follow i don't think it, it it's planted in the sense of uh morrison's trying to go like 1939 to 2012 kind of thing where like, there's like this linear no, narrative no no i don't i don't and i i don't think that you know, he started this grand plan in, you know, 1988 with Arkham Asylum and then this right. and then then the, the broader Batman work. Just that, you know, with that idea of, you know, the Batman's black book or whatever mm-hmm. and making sense of all of those things, I was just curious as to where this would fit. It's probably uh, in the context of what he was doing it probably fit like <clears throat> right before Robin. So yeah, like sure. 1939, 40, when he's like a, a gruff kind of, I mean, and that kind of correlates with Frank Miller's year one anyway. Yeah, um, definitely. Definitely. And what I think is interesting is I think you can tie this, not just with Dr. Hurt, but like, I think a Batman six, six, six as well, uh, with the, the bat demon, yeah. the, the antichrist Batman. Okay. okay. Um, and that's oh. that's the future when Damien is Batman. Yeah. So I feel like there's kind of this timeline of this occult 
mysticism of of like Satan kind of surrounding the Bat family in Gotham, which I think is kind of interesting. I thought I I so I always thought that was like the coolest thing because oh you see, did because I think it's super dumb. <laughs> I think, it's the, I think it's the worst part of the Morrison stuff. What? Oh, oh man. Wayne well, Manor is built on the Barbados graveyard where the unfortunate Batmans of all eras, and that's that's where Morrison starts to lose me. I'm just like, all right, look. <laughs> well, Sean, go on. Um, <clears throat> I I think it's pretty cool. I love that it it ties it into something that's. That, that is human to understand. Darkseid is not something that human beings are meant to understand because Darkseid doesn't exist. You could argue the devil doesn't exist either, but the concept of the devil is more certainly real. outlives all of us uh, mm-hmm. and will persist throughout all time, probably. So tying Batman into something that is ever-present in human life, I think is awesome. Um, but to, to take it back to this book, um, one thing that... that Pete had said that drove my thought was uh, you had mentioned that Batman sort of takes a back seat and is just allowed to be cool in this book. And I actually feel like this is one of the most vulnerable depictions of Batman mm. I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's scared the whole time. And I don't think I have ever read a book before other than maybe uh, also during Grant Morrison's run where he is um, uh, uh, strapped to the chair, I think, or, or he, he gets poisoned. Remember, he gets yes. he gets he's strapped to the chair. Yes. And the other Batman is talking to him. Yes. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Just just as Doctor Hurt is kind of starting to show up. Yeah. In, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I've never seen Batman horrified, and this even takes it further, uh, because there are so many panels where he's just like scared out of his wits, and it's that, not like. Uh... That scene what? with the where he comes into the the um, I guess it's in like a warehouse or something, right? But there's all just the bodies hanging. Yeah, that exactly. Or when he gets scared, uh, yeah, the thing right there where he gets scared of himself in the mirror. Yeah. I lo- it's such a human moment, right? Where he's like, oh, oh, okay, all right. Like that. I uh, I totally agree with you, man. Like I don't feel like we ever really see Batman presented in that light, and like that's so. I I love that. Like that, that's yeah. like, he's a man, you know, like at the end of the day. And it's like, I, to me, that's the thing I like least about, uh, whenever someone writes Batman is when yeah. he's written as like, oh, well, like <laughs> I, Kale, you say this all the time. Oh, well he's Batman. And like, that's yeah. his superpower, right? Is that deus ex machina? Cause he's Batman. Like that's, yeah. I don't, that's like, that gets very boring. Like people accuse Superman of being boring because, oh, he can beat anyone and there's no stakes. There's no fucking stakes in any Batman story because Batman's smarter than everybody. He's got more money yeah. than everybody. He's got more than everything, uh, than any, uh, more charisma, more whatever. And I, I like that in this, like, it, it is like him being vulnerable, but I feel like it ne- he never seems weak. You know, like you see him scared. Mm. You see him like... Oh, like how's he gonna get out of this one? But like he does, cause he's fucking Batman, and that's cool. Like, yeah, you, guys you, are... never, you never, yeah. you never see Batman ever go. Woo! <laughs> 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 that, 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 that leads. You guys have already kind of gone into it, but this was like my next big question. Uh, how how did you like Batman uh, interacting with something more supernatural and paranormal? 
do you do you think it worked well and the parameters of Batman? Do you think it was a stretch? Uh, I personally really liked it when he ran into the the wandering monk in Austria or whatever, uh, yeah. the ghost, and to what Kale just referenced. Uh, I really like it when Batman just skirts across the supernatural because it makes it seem like, like the, the, in our own reality, in our own world, uh, all that stuff just seems like it's on the, the fringe that maybe on one dark night you might have a bad experience with a ghost or something. Because like, otherwise we never have an experience like that. This book makes it feel like something like that. Like Batman just wandered into something that he wasn't supposed to wander into. Yeah. And yeah. I, oh, go ahead, Gil, go ahead. Uh, and to, I don't know, both counter what I said earlier and completely contradict myself, <laughs> I, 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 I do like it when uh, magic and the supernatural is involved with Batman. Like, I think Ra's al Ghul is a, a great example of that. Like, that's a supernatural... Uh, I mean, you know, he calls himself the demon. I think you could make an argument there's a demonic thing there. Um, but if, you know, when he's in the presence of, of characters like Ragman or, um, you know, um, um, uh, any number of... How's Zatanna, Zatanna? Uh, uh, et, uh, Etrigan. Sure. Um, it, it does, it, it makes it interesting because he he does fit in um, but he's also removed from it at the same time. And it's like, you know, uh, what you were saying about, you know, in the real world, it could be one dark night. Well, Batman's out every dark night. Right. So um, for me, it's just, I, I, my issue with, with it is very, I think, Morrisonian, where it's, one great big legacy that's been leading to Batman this whole time and Bruce is connected and it's just like, no, come on. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you, Kale. Um, that's that's like exactly why this works for me is uh, to Phil's point, I really like it when Batman skirts up against the supernatural, not when it's all supernatural. Um, especially because I think like by the very, like by his very nature that he's a detective, Batman is often like put in a position where he's like a skeptic and like, right. there's nothing right. that's more frustrating to me when there's like something magical going on and Batman's like, I don't know. And then it's magic. And it's like, oh, come on. don't you think that like in a world where you've regularly tangled with magical beings and you're friends with a fucking yeah. wizard that like, you'd be like, well, okay, magic's an option. Like it's on the table. And like, I like the fact that in this, like something supernatural happens and there's no moment of like, Oh, like, I don't know, like, he, like he's like, you know, like, someone said something about the supernatural, and now I'm starting to think they, like, that might have been the right path. Like, maybe there is something magical going on here. And he just figures it out, because he's a great detective, and he's like, alright, cool, like, mystery solved. And it's not like, he has to go get some fucking magic artifact or whatever, it's just, he goes and he fucking, he canvases, you know? Like, he's out there yeah. pounding pavement and, like, getting information, yeah. and, like, that's... I like that. Like, I like there being um, supernatural angles to Batman, you know? And, and I feel like the way that Morrison writes Batman, or wrote Batman, at least in this uh, entry, is, like, why it works for me. You know, it's because of the, the tone that he brings to the character that, like, it doesn't feel dissonant, you know? 
Yeah, I like the hook they use for for this story. It starts out with the the mob leaders being hunted down uh, because of the situation with the child serial killer, uh, and they call for Batman with an inverted bat signal. Yeah, because yeah. they're fucking scared out of their mind of this person they can't seem to kill, and that's such a good hook for this kind of supernatural story. And Batman does not put up with it at all at first. He's like, "What? what is this fucking bullshit? Yeah. This place is hell. Well, and I, I loved that framing because, like, it, again, it makes it feel like a Batman story. You're right. like, oh, this is why we're, why Batman's dealing with the devil, not <clears throat> some weird jet-setting thing. It's like it's in Gotham. It's still, it still feels grounded in a weird way, even though right. it's about this 300-year-old immortal. Like, you don't find that out for a long time, you know? Like, right. there's a good por- portion yeah. where you're just like he's like a, like a, a, a mobster boogeyman. You know, and right. it's like you don't find out that there's more to him until a, a good amount of time later because of the way that <laughs> Morrison like just drip feeds the secrets. You know, like there's like yeah. a reveal every issue. Sean, where are you at? What, what were your uh, what's your perspective on this? Oh, uh, I think Batman. Uh, he he definitely belongs on the fringe of the supernatural. I think for most for humans. Uh, who don't, you know, they're not exposed to what he is, he's as close to supernatural as it gets. Right. If Batman were real, human beings would not think he was human. We would think he was a monster. And they yeah. played it that way plenty of times historically uh, in the comics. Sure. So my thinking is, is, well, okay, cool. He's that for us. What's that for him? You know, what's, what's that? horrifying beyond human thing for him and i think it works best at this particular time in his life because he hasn't experienced zatanna he hasn't experienced etrigan he hasn't seen dark side this is him at his earliest of days uh and uh he's getting exposed to the supernatural i think that's really cool there's one thing i wanted to point out uh, um you guys mentioned the the inverted batman symbol right the upside down yeah um and I think it's pretty cool because the mobsters bring Batman. They summon Batman with an upside-down symbol the same way that uh, Manfred is actually summoned later yes. in the book with the upside-down cross. That's right. Oh, yes. wow. Man. I was just waiting for that. Hell yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't pick up on that. Like, I, I should have thought about that. Like, what, like the symbolism of the upside-down bat. Yeah. Of course it comes back up because it's fucking Grant Morrison. Exactly. Well, yeah, my my thing my thing with that was like it it was I guess it was more surface level. It was like okay, yeah, the mobsters use it because they know that if he sees it the right way, he's gonna think it's Gordon. But if he sees it upside down, he's gonna go, "Oh, this is weird," and he's gonna know <laughs> he's walking into something, you know. No, that's that's true, and I'm glad you brought that up. But um, there was a. Uh... I guess my other question here is how how do you guys like the 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 themes of this kind of gothic central European kind of overtones throughout like the art and the writing of the book like do you think it how do you think it enhances the story I guess I think it takes it to another level uh, I think that there's something to me as someone who's never been in that region before there's something 
creepy about it for some yeah. reason. Uh, especially when it's depicted this way. Klaus, I can't sing his praises enough. This is He did such an amazing job. Uh, and I think that combining that kind of uh, look and feel with Gotham, which is already creepy, and he took the creepiness to another level with, with what uh, Klaus brings to the table, I think that they worked really well together. I typically don't like stories where heroes leave their general area to go elsewhere. Um, like, I don't necessarily care about Batman in Tokyo or whatever. But I think that here in particular, um, it's done so well. His traveling over there, there's a very great reason for him to do so. And the creepiness factor is taken to another level when he goes there and hears this horrifying story. Yeah. What about you guys, Pete? Uh, I, I thought it was really, really cool, man. Um, because I think, like, obviously there's a lot of, like, layers to the kind of, um, the, the like, crossover between Gotham and, and Europe in this, right? Like, obviously, like, mm. Gothic architecture is, like, a, um, a, a, not a new thing in Batman, right? Like, it's it's something that, like, especially in the 90s, um, with, like, that very, like, hyper goth, not gothic, but, like, you know, dark vision of Batman that we got in 89. Um, you know, that, I think it just works in gotham for some reason like like you ever realize like there's like always like gargoyles and shit in gotham yeah. city like what's up with that you know it's like it's weird yeah. but it, it works because it's batman city and batman's like you know dark and edgy so i thought it was really cool how morrison um kind of brought that you know to light in a way that worked like um, both literally and subtextually, you know, like I liked, I liked how every issue began with like that very like ornate page with like a little quote from a piece of poetry, Yeah, and, you know, sometimes it was in another language, you know, um, and, and it, it, for, I don't know, it's just like, it's cool because it doesn't feel super on the nose, right? Like he goes to Austria, but aside from that, like there's a very subtly European vibe to it. And that's cool because it's it's just different. Like you don't usually get that feeling in a, a superhero story, you know, because most super, yeah. superheroes are American, you know. Um, right. Batman's is a fucking American as they come. He's a fucking multi-billionaire industrialist. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it's it's just really clever, you know. And <laughs> and it, I think like it 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 manages to create an aesthetic and a tone and a vibe that feels distinctly batman but also fresh there's there's something uh, the thing about batman though specifically that especially morrison's batman is he writes him to be very protestant very wasp and, and when he's confronted with and, and john, john put it best the 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 the, the middle ages germanic kind of setting is very creepy in general it's a lot of like suffering and and it's just very macabre and we're talking about klaus's art and when you really get back to winchester's uh time as a monk with the with the muted colors and stuff just holding it up to the camera here. I, I did want to real quick uh we keep calling out the art and um the colors are definitely a big part of it and we have not uh named the the colorist yet oh. it's uh steve bucolato 
or Bu- he did a phenomenal job. Buka Salado, maybe, but um, yeah, I mean, like his use of uh, of just like the grays and pinks is like exceptional. You know, like there there's a lot of depth to it, and like I said uh, at the top, like there's this film and kind of graininess to everything that mm-hmm. really it, it really gives you that you know that classic nor vibe you know absolutely and i i think the art in a book like this is really important in telling the story because it's the mo- a lot of the motifs are very visual and if you couldn't execute that properly uh like think about this if it was like published on a rushed modern schedule where it's like, all right, this book has to come out bi-weekly and it has like alternating uh, uh, pencilers or whatever, that it'd be a disaster. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, to, to me, this might be Klaus Jansen's best like singular work. Well, one thing that I was thinking about is that um, with this book in particular, it's one of the few books that I can think of where... If with no words at all, it has the exact same feeling. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, the the artistic creative team did such an amazing job and was so skilled at bringing the vision to life that it doesn't need the words. It's still horrifying and still unsettling and everything else. And I actually think you still know exactly what the story is, um, mm. and that's brilliant work. And they all deserve a ton of credit. One thing that constantly sticks with me is the 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 blues. There's some great blues, some very creepy blues. Even in uh, my favorite panel, which is that woman's face. Yes. Uh, Just drenched and, and in that pale too. blue. Yeah, like a pale blue. It's so disturbing. And the pinks as well, absolutely. Um, this is a this is the kind of book on all levels from top to bottom that doesn't come around that much. Yeah. No. It's special, man. It's really special. Um, I guess... Go Pete. I just wanted to make one last comment while we're on the subject of the colors. Like, this thing you said about the blues. I love that Batman has the blue blue and grays as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like that, like... Yeah. For whatever reason, that, like, does really, like... I mean, it, it, wor- it, it works in this in this color palette specifically really well. Mm-hmm. You know, that everything's kind of dark, but, like, that way when there is, like, the moment where he's, like, in the... Um, you know the the mansion or whatever or the the cathedral and like he interacts with the ghost like he sticks out against a black background instead of fading right. into it you know mm-hmm. and like there there's moments like that that i think really help to like um make him feel less imposing when they want him to seem vulnerable but yeah. uh the thing that Sean said about like how the drawings really convey the tone i loved how when there was like the interaction with the mobsters and he like intentionally like He's like intimidating them, you know, like mm-hmm. the way, like how intense they get on his face and just yeah, yeah. the curl in his nose. Like it, it made me read the dialogue differently. And that so mm. rarely happens. That's so effective. You know, they didn't need an exclamation point. You know, it's telling me he's yelling. It's like, I can fucking tell he's pissed. You know, it's like, it's so expressive. And yeah. um, that is like, that is such a tough thing to do. And I think like you said, uh, Phil, that's the kind of thing that often gets kind of lost in the shuffle on a monthly book that's on a grind, you know? Yeah. And I've seen Klaus Jansen on the monthly grind. I mean, his work with Miller during his actual Daredevil run was on that monthly grind. And um, 
that stuff's really good for a reason. That's like considered like the core Daredevil run. But like here, I think he had the time to be able to really devote uh, the proper time to tell this five issue story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the, the the last main big thing I wanted to talk about is how this compares to other Batman media. One thing I like about Gothic that really separates it from most Batman books. The only one that immediately springs to mind uh, is maybe Batman the Cult by Jim Starlin, is that this feels like a genuine horror book. Yes, yes. Yeah. That one is, oh, that's another one, man. Yeah. And and Batman lends itself so well to horror, and it's, and it's, and it's in its very origin. How do you how do you guys feel this compares to other Batman media that you've consumed? I think that this book slots right in when you talk about the best stories of all time, the best Batman stories of all yeah. time, because it it's it's Batman for sure, but it's a, a sort of like niche episode in his career. Most stories are not like this, and so you can go and you can read you know year one and you can read long halloween Mm -hmm. and you can fit this in there yeah and it's neat but it's also not neat and i love that you know um it's definitely from that era it's definitely that batman but everything else around it is so not this that it stands out um and uh i think that's good you know i don't know that every batman story should be this or needs to be this i also don't know that a majority of creative teams could make this Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you've got the creative team and you've got the idea, this is a, a Batman story that we could see more often for sure. What do you, I feel what like do you guys think? I, I feel like today though this would have to be told in a, uh, in a similar fashion to like uh, Vision or maybe Hawkeye in a sort of a secluded area of like the universe where they take their time and it's a team like Fraction and Aja, you know, just like they work together, they work really well together, they know each other and they know how to communicate with each other and this, like, I, if this were to come out today, it would be impossible for it to be on the monthly grind, like we said, Um, but the story itself and the way it's crafted is so unique and good that I think it, it would fit as a, a unique tale in that fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for me, um, I, I really don't have a lot of experience with, uh, with Batman stories that do feel like horror, you know, like to me, like Batman, like classic Batman is, is the detective stuff, you know, is, sure. is the nor. And, um, so for me, this was like very fresh and, uh, not that I've never seen something where there's horror elements in Batman, like, you know, even the, the animated series, like played with that kind of imagery and those (laughs) sorts of themes sometimes, like we've seen those in, in, you know, um, Batman Begins even, right? Like it's, it's not something I've never seen, but it's never something I've seen like executed this well or like this elegantly, you know? Um, and I think Sean's right. Like this isn't something that anybody could do but this is this is the stuff that i ask for all the time you know like when, when we've been talking on on the show proper about dc's new initiatives where they are giving their top tier talent 
this imprint or whatever it is. I forget what banner it falls under. Black Label, thank you. Uh, This story is exactly why I'm excited by Black Label. You know, it's like these are the kinds of superhero stories that I'll, you know, I'll fucking free base right into my veins. You know, it's like I, I love stuff that is like this this story respects the core of batman as a character right and in some ways it speaks to his history but it doesn't get bogged down in his history it's not it's not worried about legacy it's not worried about continuity it's just a really awesome tight story starring a really likable character that everybody knows you know, it's like, I don't care who you are. You have some understanding of who Batman is and what he's supposed to do. And I think that if 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 that's even your baseline level of knowledge or interest in the character, you could read this this story and really walk away with, like, something that leaves an impression on you. And, yeah. like, I want to see more of that from the medium because I love continuity. I love ongoing stories. But I think specifically legacy superhero characters like Batman, like Superman, you know, like, they work really, really well with stories like this because there's so much you can do and say with them when you're not worried about what comes next, you know, or what mm-hmm. came before. And, like, that's awesome because, like, uh, this to me – worked for me so much better than all-star superman which is a way more celebrated morrison work but i I like that it wasn't like a love letter to batman it was just a really great batman story you know and like and i i i feel like that's something that um i i could personally use more of is stuff like this where I just really enjoyed the ride that I was on and now i'm done with it and that's cool and i feel like i had a really great meaningful experience yeah. Um, <clears throat> something I was thinking about is I like the idea of when you reflect on Batman's career as a detective, as a crime fighter, as a superhero, you, you, you think of all his exploits, his multiple confrontations with his rogues gallery, doing stuff with the Justice League, um, teaming up with Superman, this, that, and the other. And I really like the idea of like these lost stories pockets of his of his yeah. exploits like this where it was like this one time thing this really weird kind of shit that happened just like a weekend early in his career yeah <laughs> where batman fought a 300 year old false monk uh and prevented him from murdering more children uh, and also re- releasing re-releasing the fucking black plague like no big deal <laughs> just no big deal like <laughs> yeah just a weekend so, and then, yeah, uh, no, like, Sean. And that works so well for Batman as a character, just because that's Batman, right? Like yeah. he's yeah. constantly in this never-ending cycle of day and night, running out doing shit, not talking to anybody but Alfred. So who would know about this? <laughs> right. It, it, this is probably a story that he never even told Dick or something, you know. Um. Uh. Since we talked about it before, uh, the 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 false Batman on top of the strapped in Batman was in Batman six seventy four. And there was a great line from that issue because we were talking about before Vulnerable Batman, uh, where he, he said because it turned out to be Michael Lane, uh, they poured hot glue into my brother's eyes, carved obscenities into my sister's flesh, so I could be driven by demons just like you. That's great stuff, man. Oh, uh, that, that's my uh, question. I wanted to leave to you here. How do you think this fits in with the rest of Morrison's Batman? 
I think it fits like a glove. A black glove. A black glove. (laughs) Like like Uh, a a notebook. A a black one. Do you you guys have any final thoughts here as I interrupt from making this point? Uh, This is an excellent read, man. I, I, um... And I, I'm really thankful, honestly, for you picking it because I don't know that I ever would have read this book otherwise. And um, yeah, this is definitely like one of my favorite Batman stories that I've ever read. I think now, and uh, I was I was really impressed. Like, like again, not that I went in with low expectations, but it was just like it's like a fucking game of Russian roulette sometimes with me and, and Grant Morrison. And the fact that like you know I would I found this to just be so rewarding is just a really pleasant surprise. And, like, I will absolutely highly recommend this book uh, from now on. There you go. How about you, uh, Kale? Any final thoughts? It's not Gotham by Gaslight. I can <laughs> definitively... Well, I haven't read Gotham by Gaslight. That's it a good could one. be Gotham by Gaslight. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, but it is, it is very, very solid. And it's work that... Um, if you're just looking for a, a good, mature Batman story that you know isn't mired in history, you know, like a a, a, a ba- that's not a Batman 101, like uh, like Hush. Um, this uh, this is a great place to go. Tough yeah. to beat, um, honestly. Yeah, this this is. This is something that really personified really good uh, late 60s after the Adam West show, uh, 70s, and then this specific title of Batman stories, where it's just a lot of kind of detective one-off stories uh, that you know don't get as much attention. There's a lot of it, good stuff there. It reminds me of the, um, I, I think it's Neil Adams. Yeah. Like the Neil Adams Batman. And, where, and Jenny O'Neill. Yeah, I read... Uh, one of the uh, in high school, I read one that was um, Batman goes to investigate Arkham Asylum, and it's like I, I want to say it's one of the first like main continuity ones where he he goes in uh, as an inmate. He's trying to figure out what uh, what's going on. Uh, how about you, Sean? Final thoughts? Yeah, this is one of the best Batman stories ever done, uh, in my opinion. I think if you are somebody who is familiar with Batman in the sense that you have read his books or seen the movies and you want to read comics, but maybe you don't want the traditional fare, uh, I think this is right up your alley. I think most people have not encountered this kind of story before, certainly not starring Batman. And so if you're looking for something truly unique and done by... uh, several masters of the art form um then you really can't beat this there's not much better than this if you look at any top 20 top 25 list for batman stories this is there and i think it could probably be even further up sure so um highly highly recommend i would say it's a must for your collection if you're a batman I couldn't agree more. This is, in my mind, uh, both one of the most underrated Batman uh, stories and one of the most underrated Grant Morrison stories. Uh, this one gets lost in the conversations of uh, what uh, constitutes the best of either of those subjects. Uh, I agree now. <laughs> um, 
and like I had mentioned before, this is one of the best bat. This might be the best horror Batman story, which is something that Grant Morrison brings to Batman so superbly too, because you get that with that six 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 through six seventy four period of of Batman under Morrison, uh, that heavy heavy uh, horror motif. Um, so yeah, if you if you're a fan, the title of the book once again, if you're jumping in now for some reason, is Batman Gothic. Uh, it is. Issues six through ten of Batman: Legends of the Dark Knight. It's pretty easy Probably to find. Probably should have with that. Of... Yeah, whatever. Uh... <laughs> hey, you, you like it. you host it. You can find it anywhere: Amazon, eBay. Uh, I got this one on Amazon, I think. Um, so yeah, uh, I've been filled with the comics pass. You can find us on all social media platforms: Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, interact with us on YouTube. Ring that bell so that you can subscribe to us. Uh, follow our uh, Let's Play videos, our, our Pals Play. Uh, we have two weekly podcasts in the Comics Pals proper show uh, and the video, games pa- uh, the video Game Pals. And uh, check out our most recent book club before this, Mouse, which may have been our best book club yet. Until next time for our next book club. Does anyone know what that is offhand? Four kids walk into a bank. Four kids walk into a bank. Recent oh, classic. Shit, dog. Sick. <laughs> so uh, look out for that in August, okay? Uh, from the Comics Pals, this is Phil signing off. Thank you and take care. Take care, guys. See you next month. I do have one one last question. We talked about being thankful and, and turkeys. Was, was this a Thanksgiving episode? <laughs>